and they view it as an opportunity where you know the rest of their day is all focused on doing what somebody else needs them to do for their job when they go to get their dry cleaning it's just you know hey i need this i need that boom you know, it's all more you know just let me get through the paces mm -hmm. but when they walk into hall everything else kind of melts away and it's you know whether they're for five minutes 20 minutes two hours it's simply just their time why hello startup nation we're back the early stage podcast lives uh, my name is John Valentine. I'm excited to be here with you all. Uh, we've got a couple incredible interviews for you over the next couple weeks that we've just spun up, and this interview is no exception. Uh, an incredible conversation with Albert Nichols, founder and CEO of Boston-based Startup Hall. And really what he wanted to do was provide a really good answer to the question, when you're not at home in the morning and at night, and when you're not at the office during the day, what the heck are you doing? So from setting up family dinners with his friends in college to launching the Back Bay location of his startup hall, Albert has always had a passion for bringing people together. Um, and, and with this concept, he and his team have built this really comfortable lifestyle space. It, it feels like home, but it's also a space for grabbing dinner, catching up on emails, and meeting new people. At the end of the day, Albert is trying to redefine and enhance what it means to be in a place. I had a great time talking to Albert, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the listen. Well, Albert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Nice afternoon, looking out across the Boston skyline. I know, we caught the sunset on the way over. Yep, yep. So you are founder and CEO of Hall, uh, which is a place to meet, discover, and share with your local community. When I, when I dug into who you guys are and what you guys do, it seems like you've got this interesting mashup of co-working space, uh, a place that feels like home, a cozy place to hang out and get dinner with your friends. Like, when you put it all together, what is Hall? At the end of the day, Hall is essentially your home away from home. It's where, when you're not at your office and you're not at your apartment, where you're living your life in your community. Starbucks would say, isn't it like the third space, right? Exactly. You have home, yeah. you have work, and then you have Starbucks. But, you know, it's often hard to find a seat at Starbucks. The Wi-Fi is sometimes choppy. And you kind of feel like you always have to buy a coffee in order to feel welcome there. Exactly. One of the big things that we talk about is if you're in line at Starbucks or even at a fast casual like Chipotle, getting dinner or something, typically you look at the person in front of you and you're like, that person's standing in between me and my morning cup of coffee or the dinner that my stomach is grumbling And for. you don't know them. No, and the and person you behind care. you is bumping into you, right. and you're just all you want to do is get to the front of that line. And at Hall, it's completely different. We firmly believe that life is better together. And by knowing that person in front of you and perhaps even having being able to have a conversation with that person behind you, it totally changes the way that you go about what seems like a laborious chore of having to get dinner that night and actually being able to have a nice experience and have a conversation. So you're a Tufts guy, mm -hmm. and I'm a Tufts guy. And were you Carmichael or DeWick? Or so I neither? Was, I was a big DeWick person. Okay. Um, and then when I moved off campus, because you know, for the first two years, you have to live on campus. Uh, but for my junior and senior year, I lived off campus and had a house of about four of us. And we basically cooked family dinner um, at least once a week. Um, which was a pretty big, uh, I would say maybe a little rare in college. I think people definitely cooked, but getting all four of us in the room together um, and just making food. It was not always great food, but there was food on the table. Um, but it was a great way to kind of ground everybody um, and actually take some time to regroup before the whole week starts again. 
The thing I loved about dining hall and cafeteria that I totally miss is the fact that, A, I could literally just walk in and not have to worry about food for the night. Mm-hmm. That was always clutch at school. And, like, you, you knew that, like, when you walked into your college dining hall, there's always at least going to be, like, one or two people that you knew that you'd feel comfortable with, that you could sit down, have a conversation, catch up with, and just, like, walk out of there feeling like you learned a little something, you mm-hmm. built a better relationship. But when you graduate college, it all goes away. It's couldn't have been summed up more perfectly. I, I think the... The college dining halls, when you walk into that space, it's very rarely just, am I getting dinner tonight? You might go to study, like you talked about, you know, co-working or even just a space to be productive, which is what we call hall. We're not necessarily geared for co-working. We wouldn't recommend that you start your business and get hall as your office, but it's that perfect place to, to do that little bit of work that you've got to get done or something like that. And those college dining halls were, were perfect for just that. You know, you could walk in and everything was taken care of. You might bump into someone, the food was there. There was space for you to get stuff done if you needed to, but you could also do a quick hit and be in and out in under five minutes and still get what you need. And that kind of uh, convenience and, and satisfaction of a, good, of a good experience is really lost once you do leave those kinds of communal environments. You make it to the quote-unquote real world that everybody talks about senior year, and there's no place for you to really get that stuff. You've got to run here. You've got to run there. You've really got to go all over to make that happen. And then instead of having that great experience, now you have this like errand-driven lifestyle where you're just trying to check the boxes off. You're, you know, if you want to catch up with a friend, it's, hey, let's grab a drink. And it takes us an hour to, you know, hour and a half commitment. We got to spend money at a bar. We can't just have that quick chat that we could while we were, you know, putting our dishes away at the dining hall. So what was the, what was the aha moment? Was it when you were like having a dinner party with friends and you're like, oh, this is awesome. So many of my friends don't get this. I need to replicate. So it wasn't quite that. What's interesting is Hall, when it started, was never a, hey, let's get friends together and have this kind of like dinner party that, hey, let me know if you're coming. I'll buy groceries. The whole idea was, you know, on a Monday night, let me just take care of those things for you. So okay. you don't have to think about it. You shouldn't even think, oh, do I, do I want to go to that place or not? Do I want to go to that dinner party? No, it should just be a seamless part of your routine. And so I realized this when I was living in Back Bay and I, had a full, I was working full time at IBM at the time, commuting. I'm so and, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I've just gotten playing. a lot of condolences. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would come home and I'd go to the gym and it would be 8 o'clock. I would, you know, start to walk back from the gym and that's when my decision process would go in. Well, do I want to cook tonight? Should don't I have a lot a of time. I don't have my, like, I'm looking at my watch. Maybe I lob a few texts out to my friends to see, you know, hey, like, would you want to get sweet green or you can hang out? And most people already have their plan. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I'm already at home and, and uh, for me, I went to that night. I was like, I'll go to Trader Joe's. And I'm in like aisle nine. I'm like, trying to load a recipe on my phone for some like, you know, quick and easy like Martha Stewart recipe. And I'm trying to find chickpeas. And I don't know why, but in this Trader Joe's, I couldn't find chickpeas. That's really just, hard to do at a Trader Joe's. Yeah, but... right? Well, I'm just in, I'm in aisle nine. And I was just like, it shouldn't be this hard. And then after all that, I finally find them. And then I go get in line. And it's about a 30 to 45 minute line. That Trader Joe's on Boylston Street is... Uh, one of the smallest in the world. Is it, is it, is it the one down The one downstairs, yeah, down the escalator. Yeah. And oh, I just had the thought. Feel. I just had the thought that I was like, it doesn't, like, why, why does it have to be this way? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this hard, right? It's been, I've had experiences before where it's very easy to just go get a healthy meal, see some people, and feel like this is helping me instead of this huge mountain that I have to climb every time I come back from work. Yeah. And there's also this feeling like you're young, you're working late, and you just never get to see your friends. 
right? Yeah. Maybe you catch them on a Friday night or a Saturday night, but during the week, it's virtually impossible. And sometimes you can kind of feel like you're on an island. I feel that sometimes. Oh, yeah. And it's a trade-off. Do I want to eat healthy tonight right. and then save money? But or do I want to go out save with my money? friends and dump 30 to 40 bucks? Exactly. And I have to go out and then I'm not going to eat healthy because like we're all going to go to a bar or even a restaurant. And even if we go to Sweetgreen or something, we've got to carve out table. It's, it's always – you're always making a trade-off. And my – I studied engineering at Tufts and my brain was always just – when you see something out of – it just seemed wrong. And that was the real um, – that was kind of the piece of sand in my boot that started to kind of bother me over and over. And it became enough where I thought either I'm crazy irrational and everybody else just has this figured out and I'm doing it wrong, or I'm just the one that's really annoyed by it and everyone else actually is feeling it but isn't saying anything. And so I did whatever you know next logical step that anyone would do, which is um, I stood outside the Chipotle that was two blocks from my apartment and interviewed about like 150 people. Every day after work, um, I interviewed for how long? You know, like twenty people. I probably did it for two to three weeks. I would just stand out front and I'd ask people, talk to me about your normal week. How often? You know, what's a healthy dinner to you? How often do you get that? Um, I would ask. Was Chipotle okay with this? um, It was outside. It was luckily (laughs) in the warmer months. But yeah. And then I would also the most important question I would ask is if you're not at home, and you're not at the office, what are you doing? And I think that that typically for many people was kind of the aha moment you know, to, to kind of unlock their kind of their secrets of, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you know, there actually are a lot of hurdles, right? Well, like, yeah, I, I hang out with my friends and I, you know, I work out, I exercise, I, you know, I go to a few events over at Harvard or MIT or, you know, wherever, or the MFA. And I was like, cool. Like, well, how often do you do that? And they're like, oh, now they mentioned it. Like, it's probably been a month or two. You know, you start to really unearth, wow, people face these things on a very regular basis in their routine. And most of their time is really spent running around, getting dinner, going to that workout class, trying to do all their chores at home and it doesn't really leave much room for the important parts that people told me they also valued the most, which is having a conversation, just mm-hmm. sitting down, being with their friends. And it turns out most people don't actually get to do that as much as they really want to. The overwhelming answer was, sure, I want to see my friends more often and I'd love to meet new people, but it takes so much effort at the end of the day, I oftentimes just end up staying at home. So when, so when you decided to put together this business plan or started to move forward with your plans for Hall, um, were there locations that you were scoping out? Uh, there's clearly a lot of things you can do in a space, right? You can make mm-hmm. it co-working. You can make it supper club style. You can make it like a, the Harvard club. Like make, you yeah. can make it super elite. But like what were the, deci- the key decisions that you think you made that have been influential in getting this thing off the ground? I think that... What started in the beginning is that I had a very clear commitment to creating Hall in a way where it was equitable and at the risk of sounding um, unenticing, almost pedestrian or just civilian in the sense that dinners were pretty typical, just things that you would find in someone's home. I wasn't trying to make over the top, you know, a menu item that would maybe attract you to be like, oh, I've got to go and try that, but rather, you know, keep it um, simple to what people um, were actually used to and, like, and, found, and found normal in many ways. And when I started Hall, when I really, you know, I interviewed these people and I realized there was a problem. You know, people were basically saying, look, I want to not just eat food, but I want to have dinner. And I want And how to- do you define that? Well, dinner for us is actually, the, you know, what happens over the food, not what's in the bowl. Eating just a meal itself is what's in the bowl, but having dinner is a completely different experience. So uh, an interesting question here is like, uh, now that you've been live for how long? 
So we've been formally launched for about two months now. Okay, so you're still fresh. It's hard to see what the long-term trends look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have you found that people coming on board to Hall and, and getting a membership are doing so with friends? Or they're doing so more so because they just moved to the city or they don't know a lot of people and they're looking to make friends? Mm-hmm. We have members join in groups ranging from solo people joining all the way to probably with groups of three or four. Mm-hmm. So we don't see huge groups. And the reason why typically is that since we only have one location, it's in Back Bay. And the people and you who, might you might have five or six or even you know twelve friends or so some you know there was some study a but while they don't ago, live near but there. they don't all live or, or work, work near in there. that same area yeah. so despite having many friends they might want to join with and who do come in as guests they don't typically always join with those people so when you do hit that sweet spot maybe they have roommates their friend lives next door that's when we see people join together or even with their spouse or significant other or fiance so should you find success. You've got a ton of excitement for what happens when there are five locations exactly. in the Boston area yeah. and you have the ability to, yeah. oh, my God, like you I – You can come to my hall tonight that's and I'll right. go to your hall the next night. That's yeah. right. Does it have, yeah. Are they going to have names? So each one we typically just talk about the neighborhood itself. So the back bay to, to kind of answer your question about how do you design those spaces. And so one of the things, like I said, was really important that after I interviewed all those people at Chipotle, I basically um, – again, the next logical step, of course, was to email all of them and say, hey – I can solve two of those problems that you mentioned, healthy home-cooked food and wanting to see your friends more often. Let me cook dinner for you on next Monday night, and you can bring your friends, and there will be dinner, and those things will be taken care of. And uh, believe it or not, I'm uh, fairly introverted, and so I'm much more the kind of person that likes to be in the kitchen. I'll make the stuff and just kind of put it on the table and let people have their time to be the supporting uh, role there. And so I invited those 200 people I interviewed over. Three of them showed up. And of the three that showed up, they all showed up at a different time throughout the night. And each one, to add insults to injury, all asked me, so did I just miss everybody? Or where, you know, where are the rest of the... And of course, every person, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was just crazy earlier. And, yeah, you know, yeah. you're at the... Yeah. Um, but I did this while I was still working at IBM. I uh, hosted these dinners. I didn't really host. I just put food on the table. And I sent an email and said, hey, you know, if you want dinner on Monday, just let me know. I'll make enough. Uh, and it snowballed. So after the first one, I, I, you know, to those three people, I said, hey, you know, you just missed that crew. Why don't you come back, bring a friend or two? And it snowballed from uh, those three original people to at the end of about doing this for a year while I was still at IBM. I'd leave work a little early, bike to Star Market on Boylston and get my groceries, bike home, cook like a madman. Um, I was serving 60, 70 meals over the course of the night from were, 5 to 9 p.m. And were they paying you anything? People were paying me money. Um, yeah, like 5 to 10 bucks, eight something dollar, like yeah, that. Yeah, 5 to 8 dollars, depending on the meal. And uh, it allowed me to pay not just for the meals themselves, but I could buy, you know, I had more rice cookers than I knew what to do with and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you had to like uh, scale, right? Yeah, Mini yeah scale. quote unquote scale. But at the root of it. Did you do this because you, you, you caught something? You realized you caught, like, you hit a nerve? and you were testing for a startup, or you just wanted to have fun and see where this went? I knew that, I knew kind of after the first couple, I mean, at the end of, um, I'd worked in cafes, I've worked in service, but I've never actually worked in a restaurant before, mm-hmm. um, in a real you know hospitality role. And I think a lot of what I learned is at the end of some of those nights, when everybody was gone, all the, ta- you know, all the chairs were kind of pushed away, and there's just crumbs everywhere. I hope you had a big apartment. Um, it was... <laughs> big enough but the thing is we could only see like i bought all these chairs like I asked my parents to buy me some table from west elm which i still it's actually still it's actually at hall today i mean those are really serious cool. tables like you don't you don't throw those away yeah yeah no no no, 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 no no but it is i've we have gotten a, a wear out of that table um and 
you get that feeling, you know, you kind of get that, that sense that, hey, this is actually kind of crazy that people are coming from, at that point, all over Boston to sit in my apartment, which was, you know, big enough to fit them, but not like an amazing, it wasn't like a breathtaking, people weren't Instagramming it. You know? mm-hmm. yep. And to eat food that was essentially just me going to the New York Times recipe database and picking recipes that were easy to make, getting rid of all the expensive ingredients, and then making them very quickly after work um, in you know, within a group of people who wasn't curated. I didn't, you know, you didn't have to apply. You didn't have to know me. I I actually never, beyond the initial group of people, I made it a rule to not invite people myself because if I did, it was really just my network of people, not an actual business that could grow and sustain. And so all those things together, when they started to grow, I mean, you start, I would take a few steps back, step back sometime and say, okay, I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly what this is, but it's something. And so I actually, user research was a really big role in me learning and kind of understanding this and understanding what Hall at this point, quote unquote, Hall was about. And the walk away when I interviewed those, the 70 people that had been coming and, you know, I asked them, why, you know, why, why do you show up here? Right. Um, and of course, I already knew it wasn't going to be, oh, because the, the meals are so good. Right? And you have a few people that say, yeah, you know, like for five bucks, I can't really get dinner anywhere else. And hey, the people are kind of nice, too. But the majority of people said, look, on Monday, I don't even think about it anymore. I just I just come to Hall. I don't send any texts to my friends. I don't think about going to Trader Joe's or Chipotle or Dig In or Sweet Green. It's just taken care of. I walk in, and this is actually how I want to be spending my time. And even if you're just gra- – some people would just grab their meal, and they'd be like, oh, I'm in a huge rush, and they have a little to-go box. And then they'd stay like for five or 10 minutes and chat it up with people before they like run out the door because they realize how late they are. Mm-hmm. And so at the core of it, that was when we first started to realize like, hey, you know, it's not just about what, you know, the fact that we can make food, you know, plenty of other places in Boston can put food in a bowl and make it taste a lot better than we can. So that's not really the core of it, right? I'm not selling food. This is one the restaurant or, you know, mm-hmm. a cafeteria I was starting. Um, but it was really more about the communal aspect of it and what value does that provide for people? So now... Hall is a real thing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you signed what I can only be assumed as a, an expensive lease in the yeah. back bay yep. for a lot of space. Um, how did you find that initial support, both from uh, early employees, but also like how did you get the first few checks from yeah. friends and family or angels or what have you? And what did, what did you like? What inspired them about the story and the potential mm-hmm. to get them to say, hey, this is something I want to back? That's a, um, a longer inter- story. It's, it's a longer story than, than and part. I think as an entrepreneur, I certainly, uh, you, I'm on the other end of a podcast or even listening to these kinds of stories. Um, it seems very logical. Okay, yeah, you talk with a few people. Um, it took a lot of trial and error, and also not knowing at all what I was doing. But it was all rooted in really and truly in those people that were coming to my apartment. At that time, I knew. Okay, well, I know I have something, right? She sent an email to all of them saying, we're going to crowdfund this thing. No, not quite, right? <laughs> like, I, I knew I didn't want to quite do that because I knew that the 2B model was not really what was like it, like it, like it was in my apartment. Yep. Um, but at that point, that was kind of what gave me the, the wind at my back to know, like, hey, I can go talk to people and pitch an idea that's probably not going to be the final thing that we do. But I know that I do have people that are intrigued with some aspect of what we're doing. I've got to sift through all of this hay to find out, hey, what is the true value that's here? What's the product? What uh, and then how do we, even if we know what that offering is and what people want, how do we get it to product market fit? But at that point, I was at IBM and I put myself on a savings plan because I said, you know, I need to have this much kind of in the bank to feel comfortable doing this financially, um, which took me some time to kind of to get there. And 
Um, I had a lot of support from the folks that I worked with, which was awesome when, you know, I kind of filled them in. And um, at that point, I stepped back and started to develop the business model itself, right? So um, great. I've got people that want to eat this food. What does this look like as an actual business, not just me doing it in my apartment on a Monday night? And I knew that it wasn't going to be, hey, let me open what would essentially be a restaurant and just like charge people 5 to $8 for meals, right? There was something more than that. So the communal component was really important, and we knew that it was going to be a membership model. And at that point, uh, my firm belief is that there was an incredibly large opportunity to redefine the way that people consumed physical goods and services. It was really, really broken. Um, prior, you know, We talked about you're in line at Starbucks or Chipotle, and those models are built to sell as many units as possible at the best margin possible. Mm-hmm. And so user experience goes out the window when you optimize for you know, for volume. And that can be very inhibitive to the actual user experience or the experience that, you know, you and I would try to have if we're going to go get dinner at one of those places. And so the service model, that was at the, really at the root of that. It said, how do we create compounding value for our members um, or for these users um, and provide it in a communal setting? And that was, that's where we kind of got the idea, okay, let's sell this as a membership. Like, you know, when I first started, it was kind of like, like DeWick, you know, the dining hall at Tufts. You know, I Can't just want, in. I want a chicken breast, rice and green beans when I'm not at college and I don't want to pay a ton for it and I want to eat it with my friends. You're probably not the first person who's had this idea. Probably not, right? right? It's like the Mrs. Fields of cookies, but for dinner. Yep. And and that is really where it started. Like the company name, a good friend of mine, Max Bolger, who's based in Boston here, um, we started kicking around the idea together and we had a Google Doc and it just said dining hall. That was what, and that's really at the point when we hit, it's not really just about the dining and the food. So, you know, um, it wasn't as cool as Sean Parker in The Social Network. We said, drop the the. But we just, you know, let's get rid of the dining part and let's just call it hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, re- you know, that's really where it came tough from. Tough on SEO, though, man. Yeah, oh, my real God. tough. Yeah, Faneuil Hall, Town Hall, Hall of Fame. So much hall yeah, a lot out there of in hall. the world. Um, but um, for get, us, it does describe, we talked about the, the third place. For us, it does describe exactly what we are, which is we really want to be the hall, you know, or a hall, something that actually helps you find your way onto these other rooms and these other things that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be um, a pathway and something that helps you get there at the end of the day or, at, you know, during your day that helps you get to your interests or to connections, to community, whatever it might be. Um, but we we really started with that concept of membership, subscription, let's make it a service so that it can be compounding value. Um, and really eliminate and free ourselves of a lot of the constraints that you get in a volume business model. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you feel I, like you're a member of something yeah. as opposed to a purely transactional relationship. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's really how you want to feel. You think about that your best meal experiences might be at home with your parents or you're with your friends or significant other, um, or even you know um, with some folks that you know. Most people typically don't. They don't talk about what the last thing they ate was. They talk about who they were with, where they were, and, the they, and you also think about like what are, what is the barrier to getting a lot of people together? And it's always uh, the buying of the food, mm-hmm. the cooking, the hosting, all yeah. of that work. Like I might have a, a dirty living room, and I don't yeah. want anyone in here. Like it, there's a third place yeah. to go. And so that was what really um, I read a great book called The Great Good Place by Ray Oldenburg, um, and he, he really breaks down in a systematic, systematic, and as an engineer, I really appreciated, programmatic mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. what is community? So many, I mean, we, I pitched people early on. They say, you know, I don't think you have the community part nailed down. And I'd say, okay, well, you know, what's community to you? And, you know, or someone, someone 
famously, not famously, but to me famously said, you know, oh, Sweet Green has really nailed the community part. Um, and I don't think that you guys have that have that in your business. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. I community don't is really hard agree, to define right? in a business plan. And so it's a feeling. We ag- agree. I agree. It, it's if you feel it, right? Yep. It's, a, it's a trailing indicator of community. Mm-hmm. But what are the leading, you know, how do you actually create community, right? That's a, that's a big question. And right. so I don't know if we're necessarily right, but I knew that we had to have an opinion. And that opinion was really rooted in these characteristics of what a third place is and what makes a, th- what's, what makes a place a third place. Um, and it's rooted in this simple idea that you have to have three characteristics. The first of which is that you need to have an irrefutable commonality. You and I both went to Tufts. Mm-hmm. There are some other people that went to Tufts. You can't argue with if that's true or not. We just did. And you need to have some kind of core part of that to create a community. But that's mm-hmm. only one of the three parts. The second part is you need to have a space of interaction. So great, we all went to Tufts. We could be all over the world. Where do we interact with each other? There has to be exchange. We need to be able to express ourselves to each other. We need to be able to interact with each other. So you need to have that space. It could be digital, could be physical, but you need to have that space. And then last, you need to have a low effort attracting quality. Something that brings you in and draws you in. That's just so easy and so convenient, more so than other places, that that's actually the activator. So we both went to Tufts. They rented out a bar in Davis Square, and they're going to be free drinks. Great. And we both work close by. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's easy and for us. And free drinks. Free drinks. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, some, you know, I, I went to boarding school at a young age, and one of the biggest and most common things you see there are these things called feeds, which is basically the dorm parent will just order some takeout food. All the kids come rushing in. You're yep. in the common room. You all live, on, you all live in the mm-hmm. same area, and there's food there. It's a really easy example. But then Facebook also executed the same strategy, right? Maybe not in the same idea, but when they first launched Facebook, you had different networks. Like Harvard had its network. All these Columbia had its own network. And I remember when I was an RA at Lewis, the most successful thing we ever did as RAs was we had like like one one or like every other Thursday night at like midnight, we just made we just set up waffles and pancakes. And we just made waffles and pancakes. Yeah. That's all we did. It wasn't a big hoopla, but like you'd get a hundred people down there because people are studying, people can't sleep and they just, it's that that easy thing and And they're hungry and they want to like chat with somebody. Yeah. Boom. Right. And so that's, I mean, and they're all going through something or they're all going through exams or whatever it might be. Uh, There's that commonality. Yeah. 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 And so with, I mean, what Facebook did famously, right? They said, look, irrefutable commonality. We all, you have a harvard.edu address, right? Or you just went to Harvard, right? And you can't argue with that. Only people that went to Harvard could join Facebook. Here's where the space of interaction was going to be this new thing called the Facebook, where you could be on there and see other people's profiles and you could post things. But the most important part, which is what Facebook really differentiated itself as, they had that third component of, you know, uh, we all go to Harvard. That's We have to constrain ourselves there. So MySpace never had that, right? Or Friendster. But then they said, we will be the easiest place to consume and share information people love consuming and sharing information specifically photos which is where facebook really got their traction once people started uploading Mm -hmm. photos but they executed a textbook community right closed irrefutable truth or irrefutable commonality everyone went to harvard an actual space where you can interact with each other this closed network and then they made it really really easy to share information easier 10 times easier than you were able to do it anywhere else and that was really, you know, they used that strategy over and over until they entered all these schools and all these places. 
totally kicking the tails off Friendster and all these other competitors because they were able to employ that community strategy everywhere. And now you've lost that because they're at scale. Um, but that, you know, it's a great, it works across many things. So that, that's what we've really rested on for how we, you know, how we define community. And which is why when you look at food and what we, you know, internally on the team, what we call experiences, we allow people to have communal access to their most common essentials or to the things that they need to get throughout the week. Coffee in the morning, dinner at nighttime, um, an event, you know, hearing from an expert or from a speaker or perhaps even a discussion group. All those things are better with people. We should have done this live at all. Perhaps. We've done we've done live what, what, podcasts what, what, what at all. What happened there? What happened Let's there? just call it right now. Yep. Yeah. But that, that's that core belief, right? So a, a, a bowl of food is better together, mm-hmm. not alone. A cup of coffee in the morning, well, depend on your mood, can be better as a group, a group of people than just alone. Even reading that New York Times article about the Mueller investigation, you might want to read it, but being able to discuss that with a group of people furthers your own viewpoint. It helps you establish your own. These things are all better together. And so our business is rooted in that concept of let's take the things that you need most frequently and make them really, really easy to get. But let's provide them in a communal environment. And that's where we take that idea of let's build a space. Let's actually get a physical space where you can come and consume these things together. And then let's create an irrefutable commonality that you're a hall member and you ascribe to our values and you understand that you know, this is a space specifically to, to be together to learn from each other, to be interested in what each other are doing and to have it your own personal opinion and, and to share that with other people over those really common and simple experiences. So you walked into your first hall with a whole set of assumptions of what you thought might happen mm-hmm. uh, based on uh, your research about communities, your research about all sorts of things, your experience running your own dinner parties. Um, what in the first couple months of you being live, uh, what surprised you to the upside and to the downside? So, like, what things happened that you didn't expect would happen? The number one thing that we learned was really the idea that when we started out, we knew that that food component was really important, that it was what brought you to the table. Now, the value is the conversation, but the food is what brought you to the table. And we really believe that we needed to do everything ourselves to make the food, source it, work with the partners, our farm, you know, farmers, and do everything, literally soup to nuts. Um, and we ran that for a while. So we ran a private beta with some of our early customers, excuse me, some of our early customers who uh, we're in my apartment and that kind of thing. And we learned a lot about, you know, optimizing our own food operations because we believe that was really important. And we knew we needed to have control over these different parts of the business in order to iterate on the experience and on everything. But we didn't really consolidate around the communal aspect of the business. There was that very simple idea that, hey, if we put food on the table and we have the space that we have plenty of members, they'll all just kind of show up and talk to each other. And... I severely underestimated the amount of not necessarily direction, but communication it required to kind of tell people our intent about why we're doing all of this. People want to um, participate holistically in it, and they want to be part of that community, and they want to see it um, fit in with you know who they want to see themselves become, and they view it as an opportunity where you know the rest of their day 
is all focused on doing what somebody else needs them to do for their job. When they go to get their dry cleaning, it's just, you know, hey, I need this, I need that, boom. You know, it's all more, you know, just let me get through the paces. Mm-hmm. But when they walk into hall, everything else kind of melts away. And it's, you know, whether they're for five minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, it's simply just their time. And they can choose, how, you know, whatever they want to do with it. And um, that's not to say people can't get a, a small dose of that throughout their days or throughout their weeks elsewhere. But at Hall, everything that's there is, is geared toward specifically to them and, and facilitates those kinds of experiences for them. So little, uh, small and growing startups need a lot of things. Everything, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are the, what are your top three needs right now as a young company? Top three needs. I would say unequivocally that distilling our message and you know, as we've really stumbled upon this and been able to work with our members to talk about what it is that we find true and, 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 and our mission and our place in the world, right? Um, and kind of what we just talked about, what is it that, you know, what is it that Hall stands for and what do we fight for? And how do we make sure that people know about that and that, that we're here and doing that? I mean, our firm belief within the company is that when you're able to discover what you care about as a person and share it with everybody, it changes the world for the better. And if you don't do that, most of your time, your day-to-day, your week-to-week is going to be dictated and defined by your job and by everything else that's begging for your time and attention. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most sacred things that you have in life is what am I going to do? Who am I? And that's really, you know, at the end of the day, what what we're building at Hall, and we've been lucky. We're partnering with amazing people right now with the Hall Fellowship Program, which is where we take folks across eight different categories in Boston from academics and innovation and business all the way to the arts um, and civics and, you know, and current events. Um, and we give them a hall membership to work on a specific, they apply with a specific idea in mind of how their membership is going to be able to help them, you know, achieve um, something in one of those areas. And they share their experience, not just with their broader audience, but with the hall community. Um, we get to, you know, they hold office hours, they hold events for the other members that are there. Um, and those are specific things that we're really, really excited about. But telling that message, getting that message out, mm-hmm. <clears throat> watching people use the space and seeing the effects of it, supporting each other and, and bringing each other up um, and seeing the results of, hey, you know, what does life look like when you live it together as opposed to not? Mm-hmm. Um, and really watching that come to life. And I mean, that, that is one of, you know, one of our needs is to really watch that um, catalyze and, and, and watch that happen and, and, and show it to more people. So what has been uh, what's been your favorite part of the journey, and what has been the scariest part of the journey so far? Mm. Um, I'll start with the scariest part of the journey. <laughs> um, I think the scariest part of the journey was right before we uh, launched and started our private beta in Back Bay when we first kind of first got everything, all the furniture in and stuff. Um, we did a pop up on Boylston Street. We rented out this little space, and it was in the summer. Um, and our thought was, hey, you know, we'll do a little pop-up, and maybe, you know, we can finally tell some people about what we're doing and what we're about. Um, and this is, you know, really early on in the journey. And uh, we're a team of just, at that point, three people. And I was standing outside of 899 Boylston, which is Boylston and Gloucester. And it was so hot. Um, and I was just, you know, you're begging for people's time and attention on the street. 
hey, are you interested in what we're doing? Hey, have you heard about Hall? Hey, do you know what this is? And then even if you could get someone's attention and then they ask you to explain it. And at that point, I mean, we just hadn't, you know, my background is I'm, I'm great at creating, you know, the, 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 you're not the, a pitch man. the logistics side of it. Yeah. I would say I'm not, a, I'm not a pitch man, right? I've got the vision necessarily, but for me to say, I'm more of like a, Hey, let me explain this to you. And then you tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, um, and I think that hall in and of itself necessitates that almost kind of, you got to think about it a little bit because it's not, it's a kind of a non-obvious thing, despite the, the need being so obvious, it's so different from what we, how we live our lives now. But at that moment, at that, at that pop-up, I mean, we got a lot of, I don't get it. We got a lot of people saying, no, 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 you're a restaurant. Or, no, 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 you're a co-working. You know, people telling us, you know, and it was just so clear at that point that we had no idea how to talk about ourselves or even just tell people what we do. Um, and it was hot and, you know, it was our first time making all of our food and people loved the food. But we were like, but you don't get the community side of it. Um, and it was probably, I worked more in those five days than I've ever worked in my entire life. I think we, the whole team was probably working, you know, 16 hour days or 14 hour days. Um, and it was, uh, completely necessary for us to learn who we are, what we do and to have that harsh uh, rude awakening. Uh, but it was, um, it was tough. It was certainly tough. <laughs> and, but the most exciting then? Uh, I, you know, I think the most exciting, uh, is, when we finally launched um, the Hall Back Bay location this this past um, this October, and we got all of our members that were there and together um, as a part of the beta, who were there when we had our co-working membership, that were there when we didn't know how to explain it anything, and we, you know, who had really no idea um, where it was going to all end up, and we finally got it. You know, we had two hundred plus people at this um, event to kind of launch the location. Um, and we finally had an opportunity to get up and really tell people who we are and what we stand for. Um, and the most exciting moment was probably later that night. I was sitting back at our, our at our office with the, with the team, um, and we started to see we our our hall back bay account only follows our members. We don't follow anybody else. So the stream is really cool. It's just people that you know members that we know. And we started to see posts roll in of photos from the night or, uh, you know, them and, the fr- and their ha- friends they met at Hall or different things um, with the quotes and the experiences that they decided to share of how Hall really changed things for them. And that's what we talked about, right? So one of the biggest things that, you know, I can't wait to have happen is to have that information really surface, to, to have people see what does it look like to, you know, live your life together instead of in this isolated lifestyle. Um, and that's what we started to see kind of roll across our Instagram account. Um, and I wouldn't say I get overexcited too many times, but that's when I felt the most empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting there with a team of people that that I know can can really take this company to the next level. And then sitting there with, you know, pure evidence from our from our target market that's basically telling us, hey, look, you know, you're a significant way of, you know, a significant part of the way um, to the product market fit milestone. Very cool. That's a that's an incredible story. It's clear that you're going after a need that is real, uh, and we'll, we'll see where it goes over the next couple of years. Albert, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Yeah. Uh, good luck with Hall. I'm going to have to stop in in the next couple of weeks. How you far are you to. away from uh, our office? From here on Huntington, we are probably a smooth five-minute walk. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to pop over and say hi. You should. All right. You really thanks should. so much.